Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And it's a chilly one and a start this morning. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. How to keep our homes warm, safe, healthy, and cozy. All those things that make a house into a home. Phone lines for you today, 314-436-7900 or 314-436-7900. Pick any of those you like. Uh, We have three hours today. Home improvement is the mission, the purpose, and the intention today to answer any questions, share any information that we have together as the family of CAMOX, uh, and uh, really answer any questions you might have. Bring it on, bring it early. It is a chilly day, I promise. Uh, during July, I was talking a little bit about snow melt. Out of jest, I apologize. I was jerking your chain just a bit as listeners. But today, and for the future, it's time to talk about de-icing. Yeah, indeed. It's been in the news. All the bridges around the St. Louis area, temperatures are what We are heading into the holiday season, Thanksgiving coming upon us here pretty soon, and time to really get mobile once again with all the uh, lockdown, our pandemics, we're now getting together for our holidays, our family gatherings, herd immunity has likely taken on, so we think, and now, yet again, we've got flu and all the other goodies voting in as part of our community, but that's all way above my badge level. We get to talk about paint floors, thermostats, heating systems, security systems, all the locks and windows and doors and things that are old old man winter, excuse me, old man winter is going to mess with us um, and remind us how important they are. 314-436-7900 brings us together. And for those of you that are busy now with the chill in the air, being a little more indoors with your do-it-yourself projects or um, maintenance around home, uh, things that I've been doing for weeks, perhaps you as well. The weather has been compellingly wonderful outdoors. Um, You know, a little bit of rain here and there, but golly, uh, you know, largely a uh, nice temperature. Well, here we are. We're paying back the other side. 314-436-7900. And today we're going to talk about things related to preparing your house for these uh, gatherings, primarily the colder temperatures, Uh, little simple things. Let's start with going around the outside of your house. And you don't have to be out there today. You can wait until it warms up later in the day. But a walkabout around your house, really inspect what you expect go outside and just take a look at the outside of your home does it look the way you think it should is there any paint that's missing any things up on the roof that might indicate something from a storm or some debris from an overhead tree Uh, things growing out of the gutters because as we get into it i mean it's tougher and tougher as the temperatures go down and down and down to do any of these maintenance items Right now, as I've been advocating for the last several weeks, I'd really like you to get a furnace person in there. If you haven't had a uh, HVAC heat vent air conditioning person to come in 
and just uh, look, do the annual look-see checkup. You can do that in the spring as well, but uh, hopefully you've fired up your furnace long before now and uh, kind of burnt off the dust that collects on that heat exchanger, which is pretty typical of any furnace or heater unit. Uh, you know, during the summer, air moves through it, dust moves through it. You wind up with this uh, residue, and then all of a sudden during, you know, the cold temperatures, you turn on the furnace and you cook up all that pollen and dust and oh my gosh, what's that smell? Kind of a burning musty. What is that? Well, that's the part. And that's where I like you to fire up the furnace, you know, a month ago with the windows open. Uh, just kind of nice to change the air. Uh, a little chilly now. The point being, make sure that you have windows and doors that open and move. Uh, they are your egress, your escape in any kind of uh, fire or uh, storm f- threat. It, it does happen. It happens to somebody. A lot of things happen this summer. We didn't think with flooding and temperatures or flooding and uh, water well beyond what we expected. Uh, so we can talk about that, 314-436-7900. And as well as you continue the walk about your house, uh, look at the brick, the siding, the chimney, uh, the top of the chimney, the chimney cap. There's a, If you have a chimney, whether siding, stone, brick, masonry, whatever the material, up at the very top, that flat top box, the chimney, has a roof. And that roof is called a cap. And some of you actually have metal caps that are up there that grasp to the flue pipe or the round and there's kind of a, uh, a chimney or a metal cap that keeps water and critters from getting into that fireplace chimney flue. Waterproofing is important in that that cement cap for masonry, metal cap for uh, siding and other materials. Just be aware that there is a flat thing up there that either is working or isn't working. And if you haven't really looked at it or had anybody check it for a while, <clears throat> there's item number one. Uh, two, gutters. Three, roof. Make sure you there are no sticks, leaves, or things up on the roof. Um, during tornado season many years ago, I saw roof shingles out in my yard and on the roof and all sorts of things. Our town really hadn't been hit, but, you know, six miles away somebody else had, and that's where all the debris deposited was on my house. So, golly, I, you know, had my roof inspected and the gutters and such, no damage. Uh, Anyway, just little things like that. Look for the oddities, the unusual things, things out of the ordinary. (coughs) Around your doors and windows. Um... Spiders have been happy for a while. They they do very well in the pre-cold areas, so look for the spider webs, things like that, around the doors, windows, sills. Wipe those out uh, because they'll stay clean now because you really aren't going to have too much for insects and spiders. So you get kind of four or five months of free, clean window sills, door sills. Make sure your door locks, deadbolts, as well as thresholds all operate properly. And uh, check around the window and door openings on the outside, where they connect to the siding. Mostly caulking, screens, things like that. Then around inside the house, make sure your garage door opens and closes freely. Uh, And certainly take a solvent and wipe down whatever residue, if you have a bunch of grease or gook still in that overhead door, garage door, roller, that moving roller part in the track, uh, if that stuff is full of a grease or oil or residue, when it gets to be 12 degrees outside, we're not quite there yet, 
that stuff goes from liquid to a sludge to almost glue. So it's important that you have the right lubricant in that track and cleaning out the old <clears throat> grease residue buildup, which dust, dirt connects to, and pretty soon it's no longer grease, but it's more of a sludge. And that's the point. You need to clean the sludge out, put in a new lubricant, WD-40, Lubra Plate is one that uh, Overhead Door Company uh, handles or did handle. They advocate. It's just a a greaseless lubricant. A lithium grease actually has more lithium in them than than it does grease, but it's a good uh, lubricant for garage doors. The problem with anything grease-like, even the lithium stuff, is over three, four years, the dust I don't know about around your garage, but my garage and driveway tend to be pretty dusty throughout the season, especially leaf season. So you get into that. Uh, 314-436-7900. We'll talk about anything you like. My name is Scott Mosby. I own and uh, operate Mosby Building Arts. Uh, This is our 75th year, 75 years, three quarters of a century and um, uh, we're going strong, and I will report a little bit more back to you on the commodities, the prices, and things that we're getting into on home, on uh, uh, construction, framing, lumber, copper, things like that that are building materials. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We'll be right back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together. Home Improvement phone lines 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. All topics, anything you want to talk about right here on KMOX. I am truly at your service. Three hours when we go up to uh, uh, the uh, your retirement professionals at 1 o'clock, and then 2 p.m., business of family business. Later on today, Billiken basketball right here on CamWex. Right now, let's go to my friend Mary, see what's happening. Mary, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How may I help? I have a crawl space under my house, and the vents, some of them don't move, and some of them are wide open, and I wonder if I, it would be hard to replace those or what I should be doing. Um, are they the metal things, the aluminum type that just slide in there in a block? I think so. I think that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do get, uh, first off, if they're aluminum, it's, is it concrete block or is it a poured concrete foundation, Mary? Well, we, I have a brick home. I think it's concrete down there. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, those will be a little hardier. If it's poured into concrete, they're typically more than the thin aluminum sheet metal. Uh, you can actually give those a bump. But uh, first thing, the the good news is they're a hardier metal. The bad news is they're carbon steel, so they will rust. And the whole purpose of those vents down in your crawl space are to control moisture. Uh, ideally... They are never to be closed. Oh, okay. But okay, that's that's the building science point. Um, mm-hmm. When it gets really cold and we have plumbing pipes and water down there, I understand. <laughs> I understand. You and I often close these things uh, just to keep the temperature warm down there. Um, so if they are closed. They're fine. If they're open, they're fine. Uh, the point being that humidity during uh, the soil will actually hydrate or make your air wet down in the crawl space. The more moist your air is down in the crawl space, the less good it is for insulating. 
Uh, dry air doesn't transfer heat and cool the same as a humid okay. or moist uh, environment. So the idea is leave those vents open all the time. Um, There are times when it gets really chilly. When it gets down below, you know, 15 degrees, it's time to close them. Um, Mm -hmm. My way of doing it is get out there with some um, de-rusting material, uh, WD-40, you know, spray-on items, you know, like a Loctite rust remover, something like that. And then Mm -hmm. typically I'll take a block of wood you know, like a two-by-four and and knock it with that wood so I'm not breaking the metal, but I'll tap it, and if I really, you know, my hands are sore or whatever, I might tap that wood block with a hammer slightly and just see if I can get it to move. As it moves a little bit, I might put a little more de-ruster in there, but ideally that's one of those things that's done, you know, in September and October when our fingers work better. Seems like some of this, there's screens in there, too, it yeah. seems like for bugs and stuff, and that stuff is torn too. Mm, yeah, so, those are those are better replaced from the inside. Um, opening is better done usually with the outside with that little slide nub that's either okay. in the center or somewhere. But uh, long and the short of it is, if you leave them open all winter, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those crawl spaces are grossly underventilated, so we don't have enough vents because at the time okay. the building code didn't really pay attention to freezing pipes for us they didn't you know their point was eh, you know control the moisture you'll be good and it's like well what about the freeze it's like oh control the moisture you'll be good okay. so yeah okay. now, now our building codes are a little more comprehensive and they get it a little more than they used to okay thank you very much all right very okay. good luck bye now bye-bye bye home improvement scott mosby KMOX. next up let's talk to my buddy randy hey randy scott here how can i help you this fine saturday morning good morning um i just caught the tail end of your conversation about a garage door opener and i hope i'm not asking the same question but i have a, a garage door that operates fine during the warm weather but yeah. when it gets cold It'll open maybe about 12 inches and stop. Yeah. You have the same trouble getting out of bed in the morning yourself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing here, Randy. I jest a bit, but it's not, it's not different. Um, when that lubricant on your track gets uh, cold, it becomes glue. And it's like dragging those wheels. So around the wheels on your garage door, connected to the movable garage door panel on the ends of those panels, those need to be wiped off with a good towel. I I like paper towels because I can throw them right in the trash. And then spritz a little bit of WD-40 on the bearings of those wheels themselves. That's number one. And you've got, you know dozen of those things. You've got two on the bottom of every panel. So you've got, you know, at least eight of those things. That's number one. Number two, the track itself. Bring the door all the way up and then wipe the track out again. Paper towels with that grease and do something like a WD-40 lubra plate, uh, some sort of a non-grease uh, material, uh, and then run your door up and down. The issue <clears throat> is your safety reverse. Um, you know, there, there's a, you, you may have those little eyes at the bottom of the garage. That's one thing. But if your mm-hmm. garage door senses that something got in the way, 
like a car hood, a kid, a ladder, a piece of wood, or something on the way down, or for the same deal, going back up, if you happen to have a broom handle or something on the top of your car, it also will reverse itself when it senses too much resistance to movement. Well, that's the same thing from the grease, the wheels, and the lubrication. So it's all the same thing in there. That's kind of where I'm going with that, Randy. All right. Great. Uh, and what about the... I'm going to say the screw drive on the opener. Yeah, Do I, sweet. I need to be trying to get the grease off of that also. Yeah, yeah, because first off, I love screw drives. Those things are, are you know, they'll lift a, you know, concrete truck. Um, but they will, you know, there's a lot of surface on that screw drive, and there's a lot of grease that's on there. Uh, I like to wipe that off. Uh, put a little bit of solvent. Uh, Mike last week suggested maybe a WD-40 for a solvent to wipe that stuff off. What you're trying to do is get rid of the old grease that's loaded up with dust because that's when it becomes sludge and no longer is a lubricant. So that's important as well. So that alone can uh, reverse do the, cause the safety reverse on your door in the first 12 inches. Uh, the wheels can do that and the track. So when you add all three of those together, they can, um, they can make your, yeah, your door move nicely or not. And some people will say, well, you've got to adjust your safety reverse and make it stronger or tougher. Maybe so, but only once you get these three things cleaned up. You know, get, get your low-hanging fruit fixed first and then deal with overcoming because if you set that too strong you know it it might you know come down on a pet a kid you know mm-hmm. a tool you know so it, there's a reason those safety reverses are there all right i appreciate the information thank you okay randy uh, happy lubricating and cleaning <laughs> okay thanks what what a good time on a saturday huh oh yeah i can't wait i'm going to get up on a ladder and wipe grease Anyway, that's part of home ownership. Uh, next up, let's talk to my friend Jim. Hey, Jim, Scott Mosby here. Good morning on GameWex. How can I help, sir? Oh, good morning. Enjoy the show. Thank um, you. I put a new uh, heating and air conditioning system in my house, and my outside unit is a carrier. And in the past, for the winters, I always took a canvas and covered that up. And the friend of mine told me that's not a good idea. You should just go ahead and leave it open so it can dry out and stuff. What's your thoughts about covering those compressors up? I'm in absolute agreement with your service tech. Um, If you want to do something, you can put a piece of plywood or a something, a roof over this thing, but under no conditions do you close this thing in. Because we live in the magical world of the Midwest. Humidity is everywhere all the time. So covering or enclosing from a leaf or debris standpoint sounds pretty good, but you're trapping the moisture in there and that's just you know, that that'll take a third of the life off your equipment because it that you know, that moisture you know, actually <clears throat> attacks, you know, the insulation on your electrical wires in there. You know, the it'll rust the, the uh, contacts in your motors and fans and bearings. So you really want that thing to dry out. But what I kind of came to for myself is I just found, actually, I think I had a piece of plywood siding or something, a big a sheet, and I cut, you know, a 30-inch round plate that would not blow around in the wind, and I just plunked that thing down on the top of the fan. I made one 
uh, for the air conditioner condenser out there. And that way I kept the uh, a large amount of rain from coming in. I kept the debris and the leaves from falling in from the top. Uh, and then I did not do anything to the sides. So it really just put a hat on, which is not enclosing from a moisture standpoint. How did, how did you keep the, the wood on there from blowing off? How did you just wrap it down? Uh, yeah, I did. I think, oh, well, I mean, high tech as it is, I think I put a rock on it, you know, something like that. It, it weighed, it was pretty substantial. It was like a piece of uh, half inch plywood. It was an AZEC piece of, uh, you know, sheet siding or ceiling that we had used on a project. So it was a plastic non-rustable or non-rottable material. So it had, it was pretty heavy. And then I just, you know, after a windstorm and it didn't blow away, I decided, well, I'd plunk. I, I think for a while I put a bag of fertilizer on there. And then after that, I just, well, you know, that could break and dump stuff in there. And I thought, well, I'll just put a rock up there, you know, high tech, low tech, <laughs> you know, any port in a storm, brother. But, you know, uh, right. having nothing on there is better than having everything on there. So, okay. um, well, appreciate that. Yeah. Less is more, Randy. Or Jim. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Jim. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We are off and running. Lots of things. 314-436-7900. 436-7900. Bring them on. Bring them in. Bring them early. Let's get going. I'm going to take a short pause right here on KMOX and come back for more on KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together. <clears throat> Home improvement, Scott Mosby. Excuse me. <clears throat> A little bit uh, froggy uh, this morning. Forgive me there. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts us together on the phone lines. Bring it on. Bring it early. We are ready to go here. Uh, next up, let's talk to uh, how about my friend uh, Brian. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Yeah, I'm listening to you instead of... Uh... Missouri Tiger football, so that, that ooh, that's quite ooh. a compliment. Oh my goodness, yeah, I I'd be on the Tigers yeah. myself, but uh, well, thanks. Yeah. That's, I'll I'll try and be worthy. Sure, see, that's why uh, the power of uh, your show. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to the uh, football game after I get off here. Hey, and he's to the question. house, touchdown. Oh, sorry, Never. to the house. Yeah, I, what the hell does that mean? To the house. What house? <laughs> well, it's like the it's like the, the horses running back to the barn, to the house, going back for the feed. Back to the house. Back to the house, they call the house of the barn. Well, I mean, I don't know what the pistol is either. He says <laughs> the quarterback's in the pistol. What does that mean? Uh, I don't think above my badge level there, brother. Okay, well, um, I live in an old brick house and it's about 75 years, 70 years old. I wonder if I should call a tuck pointer and, and see if I need any tuck pointing. Uh, it number, couldn't hurt I'll tell you what, it, it couldn't hurt. Now's a good time. <clears throat> they come out and take a look at it and report. It's a slower time for the tuck pointers. Uh, the winter's a good time to get them out. They probably wouldn't start anything until the spring on new projects just because of how busy okay. everybody is. But uh, there are a couple of things to look for. You can actually look at your own tuck pointing. Uh, yeah. What kind of brick do you have, Brian? Well, it's in the... Oh, it's an old U-City home, brown stone, brown brick, yeah. Okay, probably not used brick then. U-City was better brick at the time because it, you know, basically was right next to Claytown. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but it, it was new brick, new yeah. brick at the time. 
Well, seventy-five-year-old like new brick. Uh, the old. The reason I ask is the old used brick is nothing more than a sponge. It will absorb water rapidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, rapidly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, U City Clayton has pretty good brick. They didn't use a lot. It was more in the county when we wanted that aged look on new houses. We were tired of perfect bricks, and boy, did we make some nasty mistakes with that because some of that stuff started falling apart. Anyway, um, Tuck Point. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. Well, uh, I'll I'll, I'll uh, just call um, a tuck pointer, and I'll find more about uh, more information about it, whether I need it. Yeah. Have, um, um, you can kind of look at it too, Brian, a little bit. If you um, get up close to your brick, about six inches away, reading glasses, whatever it takes. Um, most brick will have the mortar right up to the brick and maybe a little bitty um, paper-thin shrinkage crack where that mortar uh, shrunk just a little bit when it was put together or the brick has dried out and changed temps. That's That may not be um, tuck point worthy, but if you take a stick and you scrape your mortar yeah. and it starts sanding and dusting out in significant quantities, yeah. uh, that's when you really need a tuck point. Uh, tuck pointer and it's time to get them going but you know a good tuck pointer morelli's a good one they, they know their stuff and they've been at it a long really? time yeah i heard of them yeah uh, but they do question. shut down they do shut down you know when in the real freezing oh. months like december january february my final question is i have a <clears throat> some floodlights in the front and the back there i have it i have it wired uh through the garage door <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I have it uh, hanging on the wall, outside wall, okay. underneath the underneath the uh, roof. It looks like it works okay, but it's really not designed. To, it's really not designed for that. I wonder if I should call a real electrician, get some, uh, get a real uh, outdoor lighting installed, the kind that'll come on at dusk and dawn the dusk lighting instead of the way I have it rigged up now. Yeah. Well, if you ever were to sell that house, Brian, a home inspector and the occupancy inspector would flag that as not sufficient wiring. So you'd have to tear it out anyway. Um, So that would be removed. If you like having that feature, I'd certainly have an electrician come over and wire it. I will tell you that there are some upper end garage door openers that will Bluetooth control lots of things. So because of all the guys listening to Cam Wex now and me that like doing yeah. projects in their garage, um, you know, their backup cordless tool batteries that plug in. DeWalt has one. Ryobi has, you know, garage door openers that are backup batteries, you know, in case you have a power outage. They'll operate your radio. They interact with Amazon, you know, Siri, stuff like that. On the, You know, so the point being that you may be able to buy a new garage door opener and it comes with, it's kind of a computer in itself. And then you buy a module you can stick outside as a floodlight that it'll turn on and off. You'll still need to run a hot wire to it. So you need the electrician generally either way. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good idea. It works, it works the way I have it now. I just run the, in the back, I just run the wire um, through the windowsill. <laughs> and plug it in the wall, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, it's really these outdoor uh, these halogen lights. 
uh, they work great. They, oh, they kind of have four or five adjustable leaves to them. They, they're really bright. I love those things. Oh, man. I don't know I, if you've oh, gosh. seen those. Yeah, I became, well, I used to like, you know, because of my time schedule, I would cut grass sometimes at 830 at night. Well, in the summertime, it's still daylight. Well, the schedule, you know, then it gets into spring and fall, and the neighbors were yeah. not so happy. And I had, I guess, three 500-watt halogens that blew out on my outdoor light. Man, if I forgot to turn those things off, it, I mean, the whole neighborhood stayed up for three days. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I, uh, by the way, speaking of the garage doors, I, I opened and closed the thing myself. Huh? I had to get out of the car, lift up the garage, get back in the car, Get out of the car, close the garage. Old-fashioned. That's me. Old-fashioned. Well, so you just eliminated a gym membership there. You're doing fine. <laughs> and I climb the ladder, and I take the leaves out of the gutter myself. Okay. A, well, thanks, Brian. The gutter's Good not luck, that high. The All gutter's right. not that high. It's only about oh. seven and a half feet, eight feet tall. Oh. I can reach it one or two steps on the ladder. Those two steps up on the ladder, I can reach right in and grab all the leaves out myself. Oh, good job. Nothing to all right. There's nothing Brian, to I'm going to have to get going here. I've got to move on to the next caller. The key is to put on some rubber gloves. All right. Thanks for calling. Uh, and next up, let's see what's happening with my buddy Mike. Hey, Mike, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. How can I help, sir? Hi, Scott. Um, I noticed my some bricks on my patio were sagging a little, um, and so I... I Pulled a couple up and noticed, you know, there's like a little bit of a, a sinkhole um, or, or some erosion there. Um, so I was wondering what, what to fill it with. And, and a, a, a little background information, about six or seven years ago, I had this same spot, um, I guess, mud jacked or, or, or had some, some stuff put in there. And then also I've got a really large sycamore tree about you know, 10 feet from this patio. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's the root system that is kind of eroding things away there. Uh, yes. Is your sycamore tree healthy now? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, yes. The uh, number one, sycamore trees grow fast. Uh, they are famous. I have seen a sycamore um, root um, in Ladue come between the brick and foundation joint and i'm talking like you know a sixteenth of an inch and that thing came through that place grew so happily underneath a concrete slab in a family room it heaved up the indoor family room floor so i became an enormous aware fan of the power of a sycamore root so they can do anything i didn't know you could get so much i mean the the root indoors was six seven inches in diameter and the wafer that came through that joint looking for the moisture was you know paper thin i i didn't know how you could do that but you know mother nature's undefeated so you betcha that sycamore branch and root can raise that um um patio and as well if it dies for whatever reason when it rots then it can cause void and and sink but also when you get those roots that are growing into those places because it's pretty much consistent moisture underneath the patio um, once the pat once the moisture stops 
those roots will die and disintegrate. But if they're coming, there's water there. So you may still have a persistent water erosion problem underneath that patio. So it could be roots, but it could still be just same old, same old, you know, water carrying soil away, causing a void and then eventual settling of your patio. So should I just put dirt or rocks or, or sand or what, what What should I fill that with? Uh, dirt. Ideally dirt, because if you put sand or rocks, you're just creating voids in between the sand, voids in between the rock, where the moisture will become attracted to that sump, that void or uh, particulate-filled water bucket, if you will. So not sand, not gravel. You really want to, and that's where you get into, you know, sand and cement, a slurry, if you can do that. That's one thing, but a compacted... Uh, sand would be the thing. Now, you can put gravel in there if it is a, a like a half-inch minus where there's a whole lot of sand and fines in there, uh, kind of like you would find on a chat or gravel road somewhere. You know how hard that stuff uh-huh. packs in? So that is the one thing you can put in, but you need to pack it in, uh, put water in, pack it in some more, and you're basically doing low-grade cement for that filler that doesn't so much absorb moisture. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so just just dirt until it it, it it it. I can't put any more dirt in there, and and I'll just have to keep an eye on it. Uh, I, I guess as long as I have that that big tree in my backyard. Yeah, and be aware that you still have when you're putting the brick back in there, you still have to put a little gravel on the top or sand to to level it that out. And that you know, keep in mind any brick patio water passes between those brick plates down underneath and then goes somewhere else. So brick patios by nature generally are some cause of erosion over time. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, sound good. Appreciate the uh, the advice. All right. Good luck, Mike. Thank you. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. will return for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. We're no longer looking at outdoor patios, but we're looking at indoor decor. Oh, yeah. Visit Suburban Leisure Center. Good time there. Oh, I, 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 it's just always a nice visit. I go sometimes when, when my spirit just needs to be lifted, whether summer or winter. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts us together. Let's talk with my buddy Rick. Hey, Rick, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Morning, Scott. Hey, my brother-in-law had a new driveway and front sidewalk board this summer, and the the contractor told him he didn't need to seal it and that they didn't do that anymore with this new concrete. So I went over the other day, and the concrete's all stained from leaves. Yeah. So I told him to call the contractor back, and now he says that the sealant is toxic. So I've never heard that before, and I, I feel my driveway after I clean it about every five years. Well, so, so far, all of, the, all of that is true. All of that is true. Anything that does a good job of sealing concrete is basically chemicals. So it is some level of toxicity uh, for anything that lives. Uh, however, it happens to be pretty good for concrete. And um, where the concrete contractor is coming from is you don't need to seal the concrete. The concrete will be fine. 
But the bird droppings, the blueberries, the oak, um, you know, leaves that leave a brown stain, all that stuff still happens. And the concrete's just fine. It just is unsightly. Well, serviceable is fine. Unsightly is unacceptable. I'm an advocate for sealing concrete. uh, And frankly, the, the right time to seal concrete is about 30 to 90 days after the concrete has been poured. Mostly, the longer you can wait, the better it is for sealing. However, as your brother uh, discovered, that you know the concrete gets stained pretty quickly because it's pure white limestone, and limestone is white, and it does absorb um, stain. So anyway, I like a Prosoco product, uh, P-R-O-S-O-C-O, and it's kind of a masonry water repellent material, and what that does as you're kind of uh, calling by, so, I mean, you already know the answer. If you put a sealer on concrete or masonry or stone, whatever stains or dirt deposits or whatever, just sit on top of that sealer. So when the rain comes or you wash the driveway, you know, with soap and water and a hose, everything cleans up pretty well. And, you know, you you still might have bluebird, you know, blueberry stains from bird droppings and oak, but they're much less... Uh, persistent and they're easily washed away so that's why i'm a big proponent plus when we get in here this winter you, you get out on i dot or mo dot illinois department of transportation or missouri department of transportation uh, they've discovered that liquid applied um, chloride is uh, really gets down into everything and is a great ice deterrent and uh, material to keep the uh, freeze and ice buildup on highways uh, happening. So safety as well as protecting the life of their concrete. The point being that your car or your brother-in-law's car comes home with all that stuff, parks it in the driveway, drips on the driveway, parks it in the garage, drips on the garage floor, and it just tears the, the smithereens out of that concrete. So whether you put anything on your driveway or not, your car brings it home with it, you know, just like a virus from a preschool kid you know it it just is what it is so it's not too late to clean the concrete and seal it yeah it is yeah it is um the optimal (laughs) temperature for a sealant is 70 degrees and that's the material temperature so you know today it's 32 degrees now so the ground and the concrete are getting pretty cold and the sun warms it up so the surface of the concrete will be 40 degrees 45 something like that once the sun gets to it but you know that sealer needs to do its chemical thing for the following 24 or 30 hours so you you really need to be in the spring fall or summer with dry concrete on this prosico material um siloxane is a really nice one that that's one that it's pricey um it's worth the effort uh and you do need to clean your concrete even now so once your concrete cures and you know in 30 days your concrete gets to 90 percent of its strength so it's 90 percent cured in the first month then it takes the rest of its life to continue curing and then fall apart Uh, the point being that i love sealing but the springtime is the best time for that concrete now to be sealed it's a little too late to get that in unless you're a professional and you know how to handle the chemicals and the temperatures and rising temperatures falling temperatures you know like concrete guys do Hey, thanks a lot. A bunch of good information. Love your show. Take All care. All right, Rick. Take care, brother, and, and seal that concrete. I, I love it. You know, a lot of the guys will say, don't seal brick, don't seal concrete. Well, from a consumer point of view, 
I just want it to clean up and look pretty. You know, if if it'll if it'll hold up a concrete truck, that's good. But I generally just need it to hold up my car. So there you go. All right, Rick, take care, brother. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned here. Um, one thing I do want to get into on the ceiling concrete, um, cleaning is important. So if you think of ceiling concrete as um, a top coat, kind of a cellophane, cellophane type material, it's a surface material. It does soak into the top surface. Uh, it will control or lessen the moisture. It also slows down how much moisture comes back out. But you need to clean that concrete. It's just like uh, taking a shower before putting on deodorant. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. 